body. You know, America's all about hot, badass, nasty speed. I mean, that's how you got to play the game of hockey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Behind the Mask. Reiner Dosevich joined alongside Jacob Stinson and Jacob Phillips. The season obviously is over, but we still got a lot to talk about. The transfer portal pretty much opened up for every other team that, or pretty much, yeah, for every team that isn't in the tournament Monday. And there's, like I said, a lot of stuff we could talk about. But before we get into that, gentlemen, how are you guys doing this uh, very, very late evening recording? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's like almost 10 o'clock on a Wednesday right now because yeah. uh, I was a little late because I had uh, an I Am Hockey game right before this. So How'd it go? Uh, we ended up losing. Uh, final score was 5-3, but uh, eh, it was a close game. It, was, okay. it wasn't bad. Okay. Were, you, were you in that the whole game? Yes. So we've just had confirmed... Stinson scored five on goals. five times. Yes, confirmed. Game. Sorry. He has let it. Ladies and gentlemen, breaking news on behind Sorry, the mask. No, did I Jacob say that? Jacob Stinson has let in a goal for maybe the first time in his career. Uh, you meant 8 0. <laughs> you guys won? 8 uh, 0. We mercy ruled him actually after the first period. Oh, don't after, worry. After I'll, 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 take, I'll take that whole part out of the podcast. Cool. Nobody's going to even listen to this part at all. Sure. Shut out, stood on his head the whole night. Yeah. Still, still somehow lost though, but he got the shutout. <laughs> somehow we lost in a shootout, so it doesn't really count. Or, so it counts as a shootout. True, still. true. So good playing both nets. Yes. So, like I said, transfer portal opening up. We got a lot to talk about. So we'll talk about first who's who's been uh in a senior, maybe in their fifth year, who's already moved on and signed some contracts. So I'll just go down the list here. First off, Jagger Joshua signed. Congratulations to him. He signed a two-year contract contract with Wilkes Bear Scranton Penguins. They were I'm pretty sure they were called the Scranton Penguins and they got another city thrown in there, but they're the Penguins affiliate, so congrats to Jagger Joshua. Uh Christian Krieger, he signed a amateur tryout with the Bridgeport Islanders. His brother Cole Krieger signed a amateur tryout with the Ottawa Rain, which is I don't know how the Ottawa Rain is the affiliate to the Los Angeles Kings. It's Ottawa California or Ontario. It- Oh, wait, it it's, on, is. it's Ontario, California. Oh my God, I thought it was not Ontario. the province. <laughs> I was okay. That that makes a lot more sense. It's, a, it's, a, that it's in the LA area. Should have done a little bit more research on that, but whatever. Uh, Eric Mendendorf, he congratulations to him. He signed with the ECHL Adirondack Thunder, so the Devils New Jersey, yeah, New Jersey Devils affiliate. And uh, he actually is playing in his, I'm pretty sure, first game, and he scored a goal tonight for him. So heck yeah, yeah good for him. Yeah. And then to round out the list, and the first one who actually signed uh, any pro deal is Michael Underwood. He signed a professional tryout with the uh, Colorado Eagles, the AHL affiliate of, obviously, the Colorado Avalanche. So that's three defensemen and two forwards gone, and they're they're moving on in their hockey careers. Yeah, I mean, good for them. Uh, you know, these were all a lot of guys. Uh, the two, really, that were questionable were Jagger and Middendorf. Just because you know they could, they still had eligibility left, the others didn't. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean it was kind of it was kind of a toss up for them. But you know, a lot of these guys, I mean, Jagger Mendor both had really good years last year. Jagger had that kind of breakout year that he really needed to be able to even be able to go sign a deal like this. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, good for him. Uh, good for them to be able to get you no know, go get that bag. I was just say yeah, I'm I'm excited to see some of these guys in at least AHL uniforms. You know. Maybe you see someone 
unfortunately put down in ECHL. I don't know, but you know, I I think some of these, I think a good amount of uh, the people that moved on have a decent chance to even get a shot at NHL eventually. Not not this upcoming year, obviously, but maybe some more chance. To, they got to work a little bit in the pipeline, but um, no, you got to put some got to put some work in. Um, that that pipeline in the minor leagues is you know. It is well, yeah. It's, it it takes a while to get to arrive like that, because um, even guys that get undrafted and can make it up to the league. Like, uh, if we're just talking to MSU guys, Tori Grew went undrafted and then worked his way through the minors and signed out of, signed out of college. And then who does he uh, play for now? Well, he plays with the Blues <laughs> now, but I mean, he worked through went to the Bruins. Was really good for the Bruins. For me, Jagger Joshua came to a little bit of a surprise at first, but I understood why. I thought he's still. I thought he was going to stay and prove, like, you know, use that last year of eligibility because he grew so much in one year that he would he could grow even more in the second year. So I was like, oh, when I first saw him gone, I was like, oh, he's gone. But then I saw he signed a two year contract with an AHL team. So I'm like, okay, that's why he left. That's why because he got that offer. I really wasn't surprised that Jagger decided to to leave and go pro. I think after having such a good season, he really had no other option because there's also the possibility if he le- if or sorry if he stays with MSU and potentially has a worse season, then he hurts his potential to go into an AHL team, especially signing a two-year contract off the bat with, you know, they're affiliates of the Penguins, so it's a pretty good uh, pretty good shot, you know. And Jagger's one of those players that, from this one year alone, was able to kind of establish a niche for, his, for himself, and if he can prove to an NHL team like the Penguins or whoever wants his contract eventually that he can benefit them in that role, then he's got a good shot. And I think it's just he would have harmed that chance if he stayed around another year. Yeah. And hey, he's chasing his dream. His brother has already got to the NHL on and off. He's is he is he still starting for the Blues right now or is he back Vancouver. He's in Vancouver now. Oh, he's in Vancouver. Oh, shoot, my bad. I forgot he, about he that. He left Vancouver in the offseason, but he's been actually pretty good for the Canucks. Yeah. So, yeah, congrats to as all those as good as what can be on the Canucks. Those, uh, <laughs> congrats to all those uh, five gentlemen for continuing on in their professional careers. Obviously, Christian Krieger, Cole Krieger, and Michael Underwood, it's still undetermined because they're in tryout status. So we'll see if they do get signed to their uh, to their teams. But uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on and update you guys for sure. So moving on to uh, who's transferred out. We're kind of breaking these down with uh, with what's going on in the portal. And everything's moving. It's Nothing's the same. But for now, who has officially transferred out to other schools and have already landed there? It's two people, Zach Dubinsky, who already landed in Vermont. So congratulations to Dubinsky. And then Jesse Tucker, somebody who we assumed would enter the portal based off the the season he had in comparison to the season before this season. Uh, He transfers out to Clarkson. So congratulations to those two guys finding a new home. Yeah. Um, I mean, for MSU, I think as well, a lot of those guys, um, like Tucker ended up towards the end of the season, uh, kind of found himself a little in and out of the lineup. Um, and I think it's just his, like, him and Dubinsky both, I don't know if their play styles necessarily fit all that well with, like, the Nightingale system as well as they did with, like, the Denton Cole system. Um, Grant, we never saw Dubinsky in the Nightingale system, I mean, uh, in the Cole system, but recruited by him, you know the deal. Um, but still, um, I think now with a lot of the guys they got coming in, freshmen some of the transfers they've got in so far uh i don't really know what space there is in the lineup for them at this point so um yeah i mean i think that's kind of the that's the main thing i think 
good for them to be able to go find new homes. I just don't think they're, yeah. I think it was the, the right move overall. I just don't know if they would have had much of a home in the, in the MSU lineup in the future. And Tucker's somebody who you always wanted to thrive under the Nightingale era. You saw what he did in the last season. He was under Danton Cole, and he you know led the team of points. But it just didn't seem to be the perfect match. He did still put up four goals, or sorry, six goals, four assists, 10 points, and 31 games played. But during the middle of the season and that point on, he was a four-flying scratch. He was in and out of the lineup, healthy scratch. So... It was the writing on the wall was was there when the season ended that Jesse Tucker would be exploring other options and Dubinsky a fourth liner that he just kind of a role filler one goal four assists five goals I I tend to really like the guy but if you know both of these guys transferring out are not huge needle moving moves which that's a that's kind of a change in scenery because other years with the team being down there would be needle moving moves of people transferring in and out so throw back to last year's episode of where when it was yeah it was you me and cam talking about just what is going i i think because we stopped doing episodes after that like for the year after that one and it basically was just like the sky is falling what is going on yeah. it was like the sky is falling it was like everything All heck broke loose well basically because it was like the whole team was leaving it was like yeah deritter and like uh didn't Nodler leave Nodler after last left year? in the portal. Like uh, most people that were like pretty good in the lineup, all had you know transferred out. Um, and yeah, so we were kind of just like, uh, what do we do? Where does MSU go from here? Because they got a lot of work to do. And then I think like the week after that was when uh, they let go of Cole. So, oh, new yeah. era. I, I think for a lot of the guys this season that transferred out, not just the ones that have already found. Uh, a school to transfer to but some of the ones that are still in the portal we'll get to here in a second but it's it's pretty common at least this is what I, I noticed especially when you know you talk about MSU football when Mel Tucker came in is it's pretty common in terms of when you bring in a new coach and you also have teams that try to build programs up to levels that they haven't been at in years prior where there are just players that no longer play at the level that the program wants to be at and it's kind of a mutually beneficial decision for those players to try and go somewhere else because then they get ice time, they can get better stats, play for a program that needs them and do good. And then in the case of Michigan State, you get you know roster space space for depth guys or potential new people to put in starting lineups. Now, is that the conversations that were had for Michigan State hockey this offseason? We can't say, but it that's just my my take in general on transfers and what I would say is likely is that, you know, it's just people transfer out because they're, they want to get ice time or playing time somewhere else. Yep. And most of the guys that we're talking about transferring out, they don't have much years of eligibility left. These, the, we'll talk a little bit about years of eligibility left. Just keep in mind that none of those numbers are actually 100% official because the numbers I've seen them on so many different sites the numbers be completely different so the, the people who officially transferred out and landed in other schools Dubinsky had one year of eligibility left Tucker had two years so these guys are just looking to ride out their careers and yeah get some playing time and some other people that we're going to talk about right now who's still in the portal who hasn't landed at a school yet Kyle Haskins He's got two years of eligibility. Powell Connors also got two, and Ryan Nolan, one year of eligibility. But it's just, it's refreshing to see the comparison from what happened when the transfer portal opened up 
under Cole's last year and what's happening under Nightingale's first year. Cole's last year, a lot of good talent. We mentioned DeRitter, Nodler, and others. But this year for Nightingale and company, it's it's I don't want to say the scraps of the lineup. It's it's the scratches. It's the people that don't play much and just didn't have a role in the team. Yeah, it was it's the healthy scratches that you know, like I like I said, it's you want to get time on the ice. You actually want to do something for a program. You don't want to sit there and be a bench warmer. No one does on any team. So it's kind of the decision that you have to make of I'm going to enter the transfer portal so I can go somewhere that might not be at Michigan State's level. Heck, it could be above later. Who knows what's going to happen next season. But the important thing is I'm going to go, if I'm transferring out, I want to go to a program where I'm going to get on the ice and they need me and they want me on the ice. And Michigan State, with the new Nightingale system and coaching staff, already having set strategies and everything, the healthy scratches weren't going to see anything different than what they saw this year. I think that that's plain to see. They they were not nothing was really going to change. Yeah, all three guys that are still in the portal, Haskins, Connor, and Nolan, all of them had 10 games or less played and no points. So it's it's yeah, it's the those guys that are just looking for a fresh start and getting some ice time somewhere else. Anything else on those uh those fine gentlemen right there? No, I think we've kind of said everything there's to say about it. Yep, so Get into a little bit more, not a little bit more, very much more interesting. Some new faces that will be skating under the green and white colors in next season. The first one on the list that has officially transferred in, it's Reed Lepster, forward from UMass, who put up eight goals and 14 assists and 30 games played. Congratulations, Reed. Welcome to the Nightingale era at MSU. And then the other one, Red Savage. I'm I'm very excited about this guy. I've I've had my eyes on this guy for a while because he's a Detroit Red Wings draft pick and prospect. He's got two years of eligibility left. He's a forward from Miami. He played 32 games this year, seven goals, seven assists. So those two guys are officially under the green and white. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, uh, both of them. It's also the the coaches kind of you know flexing their uh, connection muscle, I guess, with it. Uh, Lebster from UMass, uh, Jared DeMichael was at UMass last year, um, and then Savage was an NTDP guy who played with under Nightingale, I guess, at some point in the past. I read that he never actually played under Nightingale, but he was, was at the system. I was within that system in the system at, at the same yeah. time. Yeah. So, so they definitely knew each other, and yeah, that could See, that could be probably why they came. I think in terms of Red Savage, I think, like you said, uh, Red Wings draft pick, and I don't think we can really dismiss the impact that Nightingale's actual development of players has on a decision like that, because when you think of the Red Wings wanting to have the best interest of their players and their prospects at heart, I, I don't think they're going to pass up a coach known for developing players who proved this year could develop players that I mean to to limit beyond any expectation I mean talk about Jagger Joshua who signed a contract never would have thought he would have been the lead goal scorer I think I've said that to death on this podcast and not to mention it's a coach known for development in Michigan that plays a game every year at Little Caesars Arena so I think there's also that factor that went into the decision as well. Not saying it was all of it, but I I don't think it can be discounted either. Well, I mean, yeah, if you're if you're Red Savage as well too. Um, part of that I think also because he did play with his brother 
at Miami last year, but I believe his brother just graduated. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why he transferred out of Miami, or at least that, some of the speculation as to why he's potentially transferred out. Again, there's a ton of factors that goes into decisions like that, but yeah, his brother did graduate from Miami. Right, and then so there's that, but then there's also just you know the general direction that Miami's been going recently, which is down. Um, you know, if you Brad Savage is a very talented kid. One thing we haven't mentioned so far, he was on the World Junior team uh, with Team USA, uh, and I think had I think three goals and three assists over the seven games he played. Heck um, yeah. So you know, nearly a point per game kid. Um, who has played at a high level before already, and I think just want you know also wants to go and join a little bit more and get back to playing that same kind of high level hockey because you'll get with the Big Ten schedule for one on a team that will be competitive because Miami was very much not competitive in the NCHC and the NCHC is arguably just as stacked as the Big Ten. Yeah, I'm very excited about Red Savage joining the lineup. First off. Tier one hockey name, Red Savage. Like, okay, that Did, if they <laughs> sold so if they sold jerseys, um, like for people, I would get a Red Savage jersey just just to have a uh, Savage and I, I don't really know what number he wears, but um, sixty nine. <laughs> no, it's not that. <laughs> um, but um, just get just get a jersey with Savage on the back would be fun. Yeah, uh, he wears nineteen. Okay, that's a nice so number. He's gonna have to change it though, because Nico's coming back. Yeah, so he'll figure it out. And uh, <laughs> if the stars align, if he does make it to the Red Wings one day, it, Red Wing, Red Wings, Red Savage, mm-hmm. that would that would be something. But True. I'm I'm very happy to have. Uh, we also we also need to do, give some uh, some proper love to Reed Lebster as well. Because keep in mind th- this. Oh, we oh we are. Well, we haven't. So uh, had Whittle. to. I don't know. You get, you seem like you're trying to move on from it. Oh no no no! I got I got stuff to say. Oh okay. So one of the things I was at least going to mention for it was. Uh, granted, UMass was not very good last year, um, but he was UMass's fourth leading scorer last year in terms of points. And this dude won a national championship at UMass under DeMichael two years ago. So, I mean, th- this dude can play. Um, you know, he he's he's been there before. He it, he'll be there for only a year because he only has I think one year of eligibility left. Um, but he's going to be one of those guys. Or actually, no, it's his two two years, I guess. I think because it's a fifth year. Yeah, that's co- that's unofficial. I think it's, I think it's a fifth year and a COVID year then maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think one he of the reasons, falls into that category. These numbers yeah. are all over the place because of not only redshirt years, but also COVID year. That COVID year, messes all yeah. this up. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, this dude won a national championship. Um, he, I think, no, he knows what's been. Um, he, he's, yeah, he's been to those kind of big big stages and stuff before as well same with red and the world juniors and whatnot but you know if you're nightingale and you're one of those guys that are and you're trying to you know get your team to that level you're going to want those guys those veterans that come in and are you know battle tested and have kind of have been in those moments especially for a team that's trying to not only make the tournament but make some noise in that tournament you're going to want guys that know what they're doing and for uh for red savage i just want to come back to him for a little bit it may look like seven goals, seven assists isn't much, but when you're not on a good team, that's that's actually a lot. It's six on the team in overall points. It, that'll fall like middle of the MSU roster this season. But it's just like I'm I'm excited for these guys. These this is something that 
MSU hasn't had in a long time. Transfer portal players coming in that have a higher skill level than the ones coming out. The it's ones, exciting. ones that come in with pedigree, so to speak. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when, when you think of that these players are potentially depth pieces for Michigan State's forwards lineup, I mean, that's when's the last time you actually would think Michigan State could mix and match lines with players on the bench? I mean, didn't really see any of it this past year. The only really movement seen was moving uh, Jesse Tucker and Gavin Best back and forth. There was also the switching around of, uh, I think, where they moved Middendorf up, David, or no, Middendorf up, Muka down. Because yeah, well, Davidson was a Muka. I think Muka went Muka went down, down. to uh, Tiernan and uh, Jalen. And then was it Kelly? Or no, it was Kelly. Yeah. Um, and then they and then obviously Mindorf moved up to with Mindorf and not Mindorf, uh Mueller and Davidson. No, but see, I'm I was more talking about like with moving, actual the lineup in and out of the lineup. Yeah, actually messing around with healthy scratches. Yeah, and moving pieces in and out. You know, thinking about back to Michigan State's earlier games this season against teams like UMass, Bowling Green, LIU. When you saw players like Powell Connor, Cal Dibus go in, imagine seeing that, but later in the season with players like. Red Savage and Reed Lebster. It's something that, I mean, just has not been seen at Michigan State for a few years, to say the least. One thing I do want to point out too about you know about Red Savage that hasn't really been mentioned yet was his. Uh, if you look at like kind of some scouting reports of him and things, he's uh, you know his game. He is known as being like a very like good two way player, um, like. The, the whole, you know, with calling him like, he's going to basically, he's going to be very vital to the PK, um, which is important because as far as the forwards on MSU are concerned, they will need uh, at least now one more spot, one more forward for the um, the top two PK units because you lost uh, Jalen to graduation and you lost um, Dubinsky to the portal. So then, um, uh, so now the other line being Dort and Russell. So at that point, yeah, you're just going to need um, just some more, you know, good defensive forwards. Um, so that frees up at least one more spot. And in general, you know, always good when your PK has good defensemen or good defensive forwards on it. Now you did mention Nico Mueller, who I don't actually think we were able to get this on last week's episode because it happened, I think the day after was that Nico Mueller announced he was going to come back for his fifth year, which was, you know, I, I wish we could have gotten it on last week because it really did happen, like, the day after. But, uh, yeah, Nico Mueller coming back is also huge for the lineup when you talk about not only getting transfers, but just in general. Just... Yeah, that's that's something that we, like, glazed over. Yeah, Nico coming back for fifth year is absolutely huge. But uh, that's uh, we got we got some speculation we could talk about though. So two dudes that have had a lot of ties to MSU, nothing official yet at all, but a pair of brothers from Northeastern, Jack Hughes. No, not not that Jack Hughes. Not, not, the, not the New Jersey Devils, Jack Hughes. No, no, no. 
Jack Hughes Imagine that. from Northeastern. <laughs> they just randomly sign <laughs> and, uh, NHL superstar Jack Hughes to the... <laughs> it turns out he still has college eligibility left because he never went to college. <laughs> no, that would be insane. Welcome, Jack... No, no, no. These are all speculation. But yeah, Jack Hughes and Riley Hughes, two brothers from Northeastern, tied to MSU. So we'll see if they slot in. I'm pretty sure both of them are forwards. Okay, good, good, good. So, like I said... That's just speculation. We'll see if that happens. We'll see if by next pod we can confirm that. But there's still going to be a lot of transfer portal rumblings, all this and that. So, yeah. uh, uh, and yeah. then also, I think I'm going to do a little piece. Uh, I'm going to try and get it up uh, tomorrow or Friday because um, I've had to kind of rework a few things in it um, after, you know, just trying to figure out because everything keeps changing because I originally had Red Savage in this. But just doing a little piece talking about what MSU actually needs from the portal and who are some realistic gets from that portal that they can go after. Yeah, um, and we'll we'll probably talk about we'll once the the dust settles of the transfer portal, probably after, you know, the tournament ends. Then we can start talking more about lineups and like, yeah, you know, we'll, whatever. We'll else. try to project project where people are gonna plug in, which is always fun, but Hey, that wraps up our transfer portal talk, but we got we got some more interesting stuff to talk about. It's the Pick'em. Stincy, take it away. Okay, so uh, this is going to be a little bit of a longer Pick'em segment than usual uh, because it is the Behind the Mask uh, finale bracket special, whatever you want to use. Um, so we'll get into that in just a second. Just do a quick recap here. Um, we didn't do any real Pick'ems last week, um, so just as an update on the standings, uh, what we did instead were the conference tournament pickums, um, and so the standings we got for those every correct winner we got for the entire conference tournament out of the six possible answers uh, or six possible conferences, uh, you got five points. Um, we did not do very well uh, <laughs> at all. No. So between the f- oh between six conferences and the three of us, eighteen total, eighteen possible picks we could have gotten, we got one. Uh, <laughs> We so recapping the conference winners for you that if you made up if you didn't pay attention to the other places, um, the Atlantic, uh, Ryan and I picked RIT, Phil's picked Niagara, winner was Canisius, like everybody would have predicted. Sure, <laughs> Griffin's the Griffs are rolling, I guess. Was, that was Canisius Holy Cross, it came down to so yes, it was Canisius even... Holy Cross in the finals, absolutely wild. Um, and then the Big Ten, uh, Michigan ended up winning, we all picked Minnesota, um. You know, close enough. Close enough. They, uh, they start with an M, but no points. Uh, the the <laughs> logos got nine. It too. <laughs> the logos are M's. That's all that matters. Um, but yeah, so no points there though. Um, and then the CCHA. Uh, Ryan and I picked Michigan Tech. Phil's picked Bemidji, uh, and that ended up going to Minnesota State. And I really should have gone with that one because that was the one I was debating between was M Tech or Minnesota State. But uh, the Mavs ended up winning. Roll Beavs. The Beavs roll. Rolling. Roll Beavers. Beavs rolling to Cancun. Um, and then the one that everyone predicted, the ECAC, uh, in a tournament that featured Harvard, Quinnipiac, Cornell. Uh, a winner was Colgate. Um, Toothpaste. That managed to upset Harvard and Quinnipiac in back-to-back nights uh, to win the tournament. Crazy. Somehow. So they snuck in and stole a bid to this tournament. We'll get. We'll talk about them in a second. Uh, so no one got points off the ECAC either. Hockey East, the only one anyone got right. Uh, the one we predicted, everyone everyone predicted something different. Um, I predicted Merrimack, who ended up losing in the finals. Uh, Phillips predicted... Northeastern. That's what it was, yes. Rolling with best goalie in college hockey did not go well. I've learned, to get, I've learned better. Um, and then, so yeah, 
and then Ryan picked the correct winner, which was Boston University. Let's go Terriers. So Ryan picks up the five points there. The only five points of the entire pickums. Yep. Uh, and then St. Cloud State ended up winning the NCHC. Uh, Phillips and I had Denver. Ryan had Western. Yep. Uh, and so no one got that right. Uh, so just recapping, uh, Ryan finished with five points off, off of that. He now is in the lead at 59 points. Phillips and I both got zero. I stay at 55, and Phillips stays at 54. So um, only a four-point difference for me to, re- uh, to retake the lead heading into the final pickums that we got. Four-point lead is pretty big, though. Compared to this season, we got some chances but to make. We got we got a lot of we got a lot of points on the weekend. Here. Bracket points. This is the finale. Ooh, let's get it. Okay, so for the the way the bracket system is going to work, we all have our own brackets picked here in front of us. Um, so for every first round matchup, we're, we'll roll through those first, and then uh, we'll kind of do the last three rounds all in uh, one kind of big section, because um, that's where brackets kind of have more variation to them. So. We'll go through the first round. Every first round matchup, you get is one point. Uh, and then every second round matchup, which means every team you get in the Frozen Four, um, that makes it there is two points. The uh, cor- Correctly, as a team in the finals um, is three points. And then gets the winner is four. So if your, te- if your team makes it all the way, uh, then you will get a com- uh, grand total of 10 points um, just for from your champion alone. So... Okay. Lots of points there on the line for this. I haven't done the math on how many possible it is. At uh, least two. A lot. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of points there. And still, enough that it's anyone's game at this point. Still very much it's, anyone's it's game. Anybody's so, pickums, man. We uh we have got plenty of things to worry about here. Um so we're just gonna roll through our brackets now. We'll just go take uh each first round matchup by um by you know, take it by um Matchup. We'll give our picks, and then we'll move on from there. So, first one on the list. Um, let's just, you know, possible upset Minnesota. alert. <laughs> possible <laughs> upset alert. Minnesota versus Canisius. No, no upset. Uh, Atlantic alert. champion Canisius. Nope. We're not rolling with the Griffs. No. no. Nobody is. No. We all have Minnesota. <laughs> Enough said. Yeah. No. It's Minnesota. Enough said. Um, okay. And then the next one on the uh, this is we're in the uh, I think this is the Fargo Regional right now. So, cool. Um, Actually, no, this, that's the Allentown Regional. Whatever. It's all the same stuff. Uh, but the uh, other half of this region, uh, St. Cloud State versus Minnesota State. Uh, Ryan, who you got? For me, it seems like a toss-up. I'm going St. Cloud State because I like them better. <laughs> Phillips? Yeah, I've got St. Cloud State. I mean, just one conference tournament. and Yeah, they've, they've had some pretty good ups and downs, some pretty good ups throughout the season. And good. I'm pretty sure St. Cloud State swept Minnesota State in the regular season. So there we go. That backs up my pick. They Boom. did, but it's early season. And uh, so you, you're talking about, oh, St. Cloud won their conference tournament. You know who else did? Mankato. I'm rolling. I, oh, I thought through. you were going to say Canisius. Well, they did too. But, um, and so did Colgate. I thought you were going to say Colgate. <laughs> yeah. But, um, no, but, we're ta- but Minnesota State won theirs Black. too. Uh, True. The Mavs rolling. Uh, coming into this tournament, winning five in a row. They've looked dominant in every game they've been playing so f- recently, except for, you know, a couple minor, you know, like two minor losses here within the past two months. Um, I personally think it's going to be very hard to be a team three times in one season, especially when it matters. Um, and I just think Minnesota State's a better coach team. So I'm rolling with the Mavericks. Uh, so that's that's a first-round matchup there. Uh Moving on to the, I think this is the Fargo Regional, uh, the one seed Denver taking on the ones or the four seed Cornell. Who we got? 
Give me Denver, straight up, easy peasy. Yeah, I'm also picking Denver. Denver, good. Cornell, shaky. Same here. I got I got the Pios. Um, let's roll. Let's roll with Denver. We're gonna keep these moving fairly quick. Um, just you know, because it gets a little complicated here. Um, yeah. A lot of picks to get through. Another two three matchup here in the Fargo Regional. You got uh, two seed Boston University versus three seed Western Michigan. Ryan. I picked Western to win their conference. They lost. I picked Boston to win their conference tournament. They won. Give me Boston. I'm also rolling with the Terriers. Give me BU. I'm out on BU. They're not bad. I just think Western's got it in them. Mm, okay. So I'm, so to clarify, give me You're Western. Out on the team that won their conference tournament. True. Versus so, the so, team that lost to Colorado College? Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah. K- Canisius won. Okay. But That's the Atlantic. Was, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Atlantic is something else. Um. All right, Colgate won. True. I, I can't explain that one. We'll get to that one, actually, right now. Uh, right here, next up, uh, Colgate did make squeak their way into the tournament. Um, I think they're the, uh, the 14 seed now, so they are taking on three seed Michigan. Uh, what we got? Give me Michigan. Yeah. Uh, cool story that Colgate made it, but, like, you know, Michigan's better. Yeah, me cool. Big, big Welcome to Big Ten matchup. Give me Michigan. Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, we all got the Wolverines. Um all right, uh, the two three, uh, two seeded Penn State versus three seeded Michigan Tech. Give me M Tech. We all picking the three seed on this one. I got M Tech yeah. as well. I have also got M Tech. Oh, there we go. Goaltending's going to save him here. Uh, Penn State's been. Uh, uh, you know, I've been pushing the Penn State fraudulent narrative the whole time. Uh, most fraudulent two seed in the tournament. Um, whole time. Uh, recently, um, past since the start of the calendar year. So, uh, you know, M Tech good. Uh, Blake Pietolo is going to carry them to the second round. Um, and then, so, moving on, bottom half of the bracket, or last region here, I believe this is Manchester. Um, one seed, Quinnipiac, taking on four seed, Merrimack. Q-Pack. Yeah, give me Q-Pack. We're rolling with Q-Pack here all across the board here. Uh, and then last, 2-3, Harvard versus Ohio State. Give me a little bit of, of an upset. I like how Ohio State's been playing lately even though they got bushwhacked in the tournament or whatever. I will also take the upset because Ohio State has some pretty good highs. I do not know where you guys are coming from here uh, at all. Ohio State, uh, last we saw of them, got schmacked by Michigan 7-3 in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, give me Harvard. Harvard. So I've uh, so that's the first round of the brackets here. Bro, I, let's just do our... Fine, or yeah, frozen the, fours, and then yeah, those, all of us exactly. Okay, do you so <laughs> I don't know if anybody's listening, but you may have noticed us speed up a little bit. Uh, somebody else has the podcast room after us. We'll so. worry about it later. So Where's sorry, Scoot? sorry about going fast through things, but let's go we'll even also, faster. We'll, we'll re- <laughs> okay, I was gonna say we'll just no. repost on Twitter later. We'll, we'll, yeah. For graphics, yes. so really for me, my frozen four, I'm going with Minnesota against BU on the top side, and then going with M Tech against QPAC on the bottom side. Give me Minnesota to beat BU. Give me QPAC to beat M Tech, and then give me Minnesota, the team that wins a championship. I if they don't win, if they don't make the final four, the season's a bust. If they don't get to the finals, eh, they should win the championship in my mind. So I'm going for the Golden Gophers. They should, but my uh, friend from the State News and Minnesota native uh, Sam Sklar uh, tweeted out something during the Big Ten championship game that kind of struck me here, uh, and that was uh, I think it said Gophers going to Gopher. Um, meaning showing <laughs> the championship true. game. Um, yep. So, 
They lost one, they won't lose one again. So, guys, my final my final four here. I have Minnesota State making it out of the one region Minnesota Cato. I have Minnesota making it out of, um yeah, I have Minnesota State or Minnesota beating Minnesota State, making it there. I have BU beating Denver. I have Michigan beating Michigan Tech, and I have Quinnipiac beating Harvard. Uh, out of that, Minnesota beats BU, Quinnipiac beats Michigan, and then your 2023 national champions of NCAA Division One college hockey. We are rolling with QPAC here. You mean the Quinnipiac Bobcats? Man, I'm out on your some of your guys' picks. I like the finals pick there, Stincy. I don't, but that's just me. Speaking of my the, picks. The Big Ten bias is crazy. Uh, I've got Minnesota beating St. Cloud State. I think that's pretty easy. I've got Denver beating Western to get to the Frozen Four. So that 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 region scares me. But then I've got Michigan over Michigan Tech. Michigan, really good team when they're on a roll. And then I've got Quinnipiac beating Ohio State. Out of all those matchups, I've got Minnesota beating Denver and Michigan beating Quinnipiac to make it to the finals. I've actually got Michigan winning the whole thing. Old Big Ten Finals. If, hey, if they get on a roll, they cannot be stopped. A rematch of the Big Ten Tournament, tournament I look, Championship. I look at defense and goaltending and coaching, and uh, I saw a team that, while they did play Yale in the tournament one time, uh, they went through the entire first or went through an entire playoff game and only allowed five shots on goal for the entire game one time. Defense wins championships. We were rolling with... Uh, Jenny Peretz, best one of the best defensive teams in the country, and QPAC. So hey, those are our picks, and the the Pickums race that's been ever so tight the whole entire season finally will be coming to a finale once this tournament ends. So in next week's episode, we will talk a lot about this tournament, and because it, I mean, hey, it's really the only thing to talk about. Uh, and we'll talk about some transfer portal talk as well. We'll update what's going on in the portal, if MSU land anybody else, or whatever the heck happens. So from us here in the studio, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode behind the mask. Rounder Joe Switch, joined alongside Jacob Stinson and Jacob Phillips. You guys have a good one. <laughs> <laughs>